What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Katie Dew on our episode today. Do like Mountain Dew is the way she explained it. I loved that. But Katie, <laughs> we're just going to jump right into it. I'm going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, okay. You. Yeah. So my story is basically um, one of like a lot of the women say, I had like naivety, I guess. I had no idea about miscarriage or anything. I never thought it would happen to me. I'm in the middle of nine kids. I have four sisters. My mom, you know, never had any problems with any of her pregnancies. Um, none of my cousins. I later found out an aunt of mine had a couple of miscarriages, but in my family, that was about it when it comes to like any of my women cousins, my female cousins. And so when this happened to me, it just totally threw me for a loop. And so, um, um, so to start from the beginning, my husband and I, we got engaged in 2004 in October. And right after that, the next month, um, I had this really bad headache and it lasted for about a week. And I normally would have headaches, but just real mild and, you know, Tylenol would take care of it and it's fine. But this one headache lasted for a whole week. And I had to go home from work, and um, I remember I was laying on the couch, and my mom came in, and she's a nurse, and she was asking me questions about it, and I said, Mom, this is the worst thing, worst headache I've ever had in my life, and right there, she was like, okay, something's got to happen, so she took me into the hospital, and uh, got to the ER, and they kept giving me all this medication, and I'm really sensitive to any kind of pain medication besides, like, Tylenol, ibuprofen, just anything worse than that, it just makes me sick, and they kept giving me stuff and giving me stuff and nothing was taking care of it. And so um, they finally just knocked me out and then took me in for a CAT scan and they noticed I had a tumor on my pituitary gland. And then, so later that month I went in and I had surgery on it I had it removed. It was benign. So, you know, there wasn't cancer or anything. They took it out and it was fine, but they told me you need to wait at least a year before you try and have a baby because we know you're getting married soon. And so I got married in that next January, so January of 2005, and I was, at least in my religion, I'm part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and, you know, traditionally, people get married quite young. I was 24, 20, almost 25 when I got married, so a little on the older end, I guess you could say, but, so I was excited. I wanted to have kids, and we got pregnant after six months, and <laughs> my doctors weren't too happy, but it was, you know, it was okay. I wasn't going to be having the baby, you know, for another nine. So, um, everything went fine. Um, baby was born the next March. I ended up doing a C-section partly because he was measuring over 10 pounds and partly because they didn't want me to push because of how my surgery was. They went through my nose and poked into my brain basically to cut the tumor out. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't want pressure. And so you know, I didn't want to have to push and hope that I wasn't leaking brain fluid. So anyway, yeah. that was part of the other reason why we did the C-section. So everything was fine. Um, I did gain quite a bit of weight, which um, I still have, you know, I'm still a larger girl and have gained weight with all my babies. But um, yeah, so <clears throat> had him, no complications. Everything was fine. Um, went to have our second baby and had her in 2008 so two years later they're 25 months apart and then I went to have a third and it kind of took a little bit longer to get pregnant with this one and um, we tried for I want to say it was close to a year by the time I got pregnant which I was okay with you know I wasn't like any in inner hurry I had the two kids and thought I was losing my mind for a while you know <laughs> it, you know you double the amount of kids it's, it's for me that was the hardest was the two and then I got 
so I got pregnant with my third and had him. There was no complications or anything. Had him in September of 2011 and everything was fine. You know, moved on with life and had my three kids and everything was great. And then we decided to get pregnant again with our fourth. And it took about two years. And I was like, what is going on? Why am I not getting pregnant? And towards, towards the end of that two years, I started having like weird, really weird bleeding issues. Um, it just, my, and my, my period, I was very regular before that. Um, you know, bleed five to seven days, every 28 days is totally fine. And um, right around then it started getting really weird. And so I started seeing my doctor about that and he wasn't sure what to do. He was wanting to put me on, on birth control. And I was like, I don't want to do birth control. I'd never had done it because of the brain thing that I had before I got married. I just didn't want, it was on my pituitary gland and I didn't want to mess with hormones because that's your hormone regulator. I didn't want to mess with it. And so mm-hmm. Um, he was just like, well, I, you know, if you don't want to get on birth control, I'm not sure what else to do. And so I finally just randomly got pregnant right after that. And I was so excited, you know, been trying for two years. I just, I was getting older, you know, I kind of wanted to be done with the whole having babies part of life and move on and, um, got pregnant. I was like, great. My bleeding issues can be done and life is grand. (laughs) And you know, I went to my first few appointments and everything was fine. And, um, I was 16 weeks and I went in and, um, for this, it was just a regular checkup appointment. And the next appointment I was going to have, I was going to find out what I was having and they're going to do the anatomy scan. And so this one was just a regular appointment. You know, I've been through this three times. My husband was at work. I didn't have him come with me. I was by myself. And so he was actually working not too far away. He's probably about 15 minutes away. And I went in and met with my doctor and this doctor is like a family friend, a really close friend. I have his cell phone number and we're really close and, and he's amazing. He's great. And so he, he hadn't had the Doppler. He was trying to find the baby on the Doppler and wasn't really finding anything. And I had already heard the heartbeat before and everything was fine. And he's like, well, let's try this old, he's called it kind of like a ghetto ultrasound machine it was like an old black and white thing that he rolled in like let's try this and so he started putting that on and he's like "Ah, things are looking kind of weird and I just figured because because I'm a bigger girl you know I've had three kids you know maybe there's something going on with that and he didn't seem like too panicked or anything so I I was trying to trying to feel him but I didn't think anything was wrong yet he's like well I'm not really finding anything in here let's take you in to our big ultrasound machine it's really nice and it's in color and you know we can kind of see what's going on and so he walked me back and there's a tech in there and they had me lay down and put the thing on and after about a minute they're like I'm so sorry there's no heartbeat sorry and it just threw me for a loop I had no idea no idea that this would ever happen to me. And he, you know, he, he said, I'll give you a minute. Why don't you call your husband and have him come down? And so he took me from that room and put me in another room. And I called my husband just hysterical and followed my eyes out. And so I told him to come down and, you know, he was about 15 minutes away and that seemed like forever. And we just sat there and just cried and um, actually he didn't cry because my husband's not a big crier. Um, mm-hmm. Mine's not I, either. I was hysterical, but yeah, he, he actually, his dad passed away when he was 15 and he watched him die and, you know, had to do CPR on him and, you know, traumatic. Mm-hmm. And so he's just, and his dad was kind of more of a business. Just, Everything's very business. And yeah. that's how he is. And, you know, so things like that don't affect him as much, but he was there for me, you know, as I bawled my eyes out, but, um, yeah. And so after a little while, the doctor, my doctor came back in and just said, you know, I'm so sorry. And there was a few things he said to me that, um, that helped and just kind of gave me comfort, I guess. But he told me that there was nothing that I could have done to cause this. He's like, I know you're going to think, Oh, what if it was this thing? Or what if it was, you know, worked out too hard, whatever. He said, nothing you did caused this. And he said, unfortunately, we may not ever find out 
why this happened. And I, in my brain was like, I'm not going to ever know. I, I can't handle that. I need to know what happened. He's like, it could be literally a million things. And he's like, we could test and that would give us maybe 30 things, but there's like a million other things that it could have been. And so we may never know. And he had to give me that assurity. Like we may never know and you need to be okay with that. And so I had to kind of push that down. Like, okay, I may not find out. I have to be okay with it, but what the heck, you know? And of course you go through it. It's just, you always are going to feel like you did Mm. something, but Mm -hmm. he's like, you did not do this. And so, um, and it's something else he told me, and I relate this to other friends that I have, I've talked to about it, that he told me that your body does a really good job at holding on to a good pregnancy. It's going to protect that baby. And it's going to make sure that nothing happens to it if it's a good pregnancy, but it also does just a good of the job of getting rid of a bad pregnancy. And that's what was happening, basically. So if something happened, a bad pregnancy, your body's got to get rid of it. And, and so that helped me. You know, like I know out of all the billions of people that have been on this earth, how many more babies have been miscarried? You know, we can, you know it's just a miracle that we're all here anyway. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, but then he also told me that chances of this pregnancy of, you know, of, this, of a miscarriage happening again is really low. And he's like, so don't be afraid to try again. And I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, comforting. So he basically said I had three options to remove the baby. Um, I could wait until my body does it on its own. I could have a DNC or I could deliver because I was, I was 16 weeks at this appointment and the baby was measuring that she died at 15 and and so he said at that point you do have the option to deliver to deliver the baby if you want to and so I talked it over with my husband and we decided to deliver the baby and he explained all the risks and everything and you know with each option and for us I felt like that was the best option for us and so he couldn't get me scheduled for a week though and so I had to go home and live another week like everything was normal with my three kids and you know, life's crazy and busy and knowing that I had a baby in my body that wasn't alive. And that was like the longest week of my life. But um, at the same time, I felt kind of protective and kind of mama bear over it too. You know, like this is mine. I could have one more week with my baby until, you know, the crazy happens after. And so um, so after the appointment, my husband, my husband went back to work. I called my mother-in-law and she's been through it three times. She's had three pregnant or three miscarriages and she and I are really close. And so we had a good chat on my drive home. I had to go pick up my youngest son at the time for my parents' house. My sister was babysitting and I remember walking in. This is, here I go again. One moment that I can always think of that just hits me and just, makes me super emotional she was down in my my parents basement and I remember walking down the stairs and I had you know obviously been crying and I walked down there and just seeing her face look at me like what is going on and I just told her that David didn't have a heartbeat and we just cried together and um she got my mom down there and and then called my other two sisters or my other three sisters. We all lived close by each other and had them come over and it was just for me amazing to have, you know, that tribe around me. And we all just cried and talked and just spent time together for a couple hours just because none of us have been through this, you know, it was just a new thing mm-hmm. for all of us and I didn't know what to do, you know. And I was blessed at the time to live um next to seven of my eight siblings we all lived in the same town together and all my sisters live right within a mile of each other and so um I was just blessed to have such a strong support system for me at the time and um yeah so and then I remember another thing right after that I think it was I think it was that same day later that afternoon you know after I'd gotten a lot of my crying out I was kind of you know, getting my bearings. And I had a friend call me who lived in my neighborhood and her name was Sarah. And she said, Hey, Becky and I are going to go get ice cream. We're coming to pick you up. And I was like, Oh, 
okay. And I'm thinking she knows what's going on. Like someone must have told her. So she came and picked me up and we went to get ice cream. And I said, did you hear something about me? And she's like, no. And I'm thinking she's lying, but because <laughs> uh, I told another friend that's friends with her. And um, I'm like, how did you know to come pick me up? And she's like, oh, I just wanted to go get ice cream and I wanted you to come. And so I told her what had happened. I said, I just found out that I don't have, my baby died basically, like I'm having a miscarriage. And um, they had no idea. And luckily our friend Becky that was there had actually been through the exact same thing with her first baby. And so we just went and got ice cream and sat together and we cried some more. And I got to hear Becky's story and she delivered her baby as well. Her baby, I think was maybe a few weeks farther along than mine, but it was, I just got chills though. Like what? A, <laughs> right. Like, it was like, yeah. Like what just, are the odds that day uh-huh. that I found out, you know, like it, for me, it was a tender mercy. Like it was what I needed at the time. Cause I'm, I'm a super social, like outgoing person and I like to be around people. And, you know, I think if I were to hide myself in my home and just shut my doors, I would go insane. And mm-hmm. so it's good for me to go out and talk about it. And so, yeah, it was, a tender mercy for me to have that happen, to hear her story and to kind of hear what she went through as I was holding my baby in my body that was never not alive and I was going to have to deliver myself, you know, in the next week, you know, so it was really cool to have other people that I could talk to and that had been through it. And I had no idea she'd even been through it, you know, and so it's crazy how when you share that story, how many people come out of the word work and mm-hmm. tell you, I've been through that, and I've been through that, and here's my story, and it's crazy to me, and I had no idea, and you know, it's just one of those things, unless you've been through it, you have no idea, and so that was, that was a really cool experience for me, and so anyway, the week went by, and I get to the hospital, and the, the hospital I delivered at was amazing. They had a room specifically for grieving mothers who were having to do, you know, either deliver whatever, with their babies have the miscarriage it's kind of it's in the labor and delivery area but it's kind of away back in the back and you know they they cater to every need whatever you need we'll get it for you whatever you need just let us know and so when I got in there I got in there at nighttime um I I requested to have one more ultrasound and for two reasons one was because I never got a picture from that last ultrasound and, you know, I want something for memory. I'm kind of a sentimental person. And so I requested for that, but also just for peace of mind. I just want to make sure one more time, I just want to be certain before this happens. And so they came in and, and did the ultrasound and printed out the pictures and, you know, confirmed, yes, your baby has no heartbeat. So we're going to have to go on and do this. And um, she gave me, the nurse gave me the ultrasound picture. And for the longest time, so kind of rewind a little bit. I, for me, knew exactly what babies I was going to have when I was having them. So I knew my first was going to be a boy. I knew the next one was going to be a girl. I knew my next one was going to be a boy. And then I knew this next one was going to be a girl. And I'd always felt that. And <clears throat> I'm wrong with everyone else, but I was right for myself. <laughs> you know, I was, for some reason, I was new. And I had a name picked out that I'd had for a long time. And I wanted to name my next girl Harlow after my dad. My dad's name is Harold Lothair. So I wanted to take the beginning of his two names and make it Harlow. And so I knew this next baby is going to be a girl and I'm going to name her Harlow. And so, um, and we didn't know at this point what I was having. And that was my other thing. I really wanted to know what happened to my baby and I want to know if it's a boy or girl. And so they gave me the picture, the ultrasound picture. And, you know, it has all your information. You got the picture in the middle and it's got your name on the top and the hospital and all these little whatever ultrasound tech jargon all over. And on it, on the side, it said H-A-R with the space L-O-W. And I looked at it. I'm like, what the heck is this? I said, why does it say that on here? And she looked at it and she's like, oh, that's just, you know, it's low or high. The ATR, I don't know, I don't remember what she said that meant, but the low was either low or high. And if you go and look on your ultrasound picture, you'll see it'll say something like that, low and high. And for some reason, it had HAR at the beginning. And there was a space in between, but they were right next to each other. And I said, that's the name I was going to name my baby. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Sorry. 
yeah, it was just like one of those things. Like I just felt her there. You know, it's just so weird. I just seen that name her, on there. Yeah, I wrote her name down right before you said that, and I'm like, I got the chills because, like, as I was writing H A R L O W, you like said it's that. So weird. Yeah, I mean, go back and look at one of your your ultrasound pictures, and you'll see it on there. It's on the right side with all these other numbers and letters and. Oh, it was just that it. just threw me off like are you kidding me like I feel like I have obviously I'm going to name this baby Harlow now you know and it was just uh, that's just one of those other things that kind of was like okay I feel her hair another little tender mercy kind of thing and so anyway so then after that they gave me the medicine to start um you know stopping the cervix and put me into labor or whatever they said it'd take about 12 hours. So I went to bed and um, my husband was with me. And about 6.30 in the morning, I felt like a, I was sleeping and I felt like a pop. And I was like, oh, okay, something happened. And I woke him up. I'm like, Corey, Corey, something happened. I felt something weird. And I'd never had my water break before because my first was a C-section. My second, I was, um, I did a V-back, but I was induced because that baby was measuring large too. And which I'm sure any kind of medical professional right now, like anyone that's an OB or whatever is like going insane because they don't typically do that for someone who's had a, a C-section. But my doctor was there with me and the whole time, you know, being the family friend, like he knew I could do it. And he did a really, really long drawn out, <laughs> um, what do you call it? Induction. Mm-hmm. and so it took like two days for my second and so he knew I could do it and he told me the risk and I said let's just do it you know so anyway um so I didn't have my water break with her and then my third they they broke my water for me when I was in labor and so anyway um so that was just a weird feeling like oh okay something happened <laughs> I'm not sure that I think my water broke but I'm not sure and so we called the nurse in and she's like, oh yeah, she checked me. She's like, yeah, your water broke. So it should happen in time. And so I, in my brain, I've got my brain wrapped around. My doctor needs to be here. When my doctor's delivered all my other babies. I need him here to deliver this baby. And she looked at me like, and so I told her, I'm like, can you call him and see when he's coming? Cause he was supposed to come about seven 30, like an hour later. And she's like, okay. Like she didn't want to fight me. I don't like, you're an idiot. You don't need him here. But She's like, okay, I'll go, I'll go call him and let him know. And so my husband is going in to go to the bathroom and I kind of shifted a little bit and I just, I felt something and I was like, oh, Corey, come back, come back. I feel something, something's happening. And so he came back and he looked and the legs were hanging out. He's like, oh my gosh, the legs are hanging out. What do we do? I'm like, just throw some gloves on and let's, I'll just push. <laughs> and oh so my he, goodness. He <laughs> and so, yeah, he threw some gloves on and I pushed and baby just fell right out all that needed the cervix just needed to open a tiny bit for the baby just to slide out and I mm-hmm. I didn't know that I thought it was this big like you know what I've been through already mm-hmm. and it's not it just they just needed to open enough and then baby will come out and there you go and so he so he, he and this was another tender mercy also that he got to deliver the baby and that we could do it alone with no that one else in the room really cool it really was. It was like really spiritual. Mm-hmm. And he being that kind of not a hardened person, but you know, he's not super emotional. He's very business minded. You know, he doesn't think emotionally. He didn't think he was going to bond to this baby. And so he just thought, okay, we're going to go in. We're going to have this baby that died and we move on. And so it was, it was like a tender mercy for me to have him deliver the baby because I truly feel like it helped him bond with her and so we pushed and baby came out and he was holding her and he's like oh my gosh the cords wrapped around her neck so tight and I couldn't see anything at the time and I so I kind of tried to take a picture but I couldn't really get it but he started counting he was unwrapping the cord from her neck and it was seven times and when we told our doctor later on he's like I've never seen more than four and it was so tight that her neck was just so stretched out it was probably like one or two inches long by how stretched out it was and that for me was comforting because now I knew what happened mm-hmm. you know and I was grateful for that because I know most of the time you're never going to find out what happened to your baby you know so for me it was like okay I can be comforted in that and know 
that this needed to happen for whatever reason. Maybe it's to help me be stronger or whatever. I don't know. But for me, it was, it was comforting to know that that's what happened. And, you know, it broke my heart at the same time, but, you know, so we had an answer to why. And so anyway, so he took the cord off and we cut the cord and got the nurse back in and they, she kind of did whatever she needed to do. And then a little bit later, just a few minutes later, as we were kind of holding the baby, just kind of looking at her, just like, can we tell, is this a boy or a girl? And this nurse came in and she was a random nurse I'd never seen before. And I didn't see her again afterwards, but she came in and she's like, oh, well, let's look and see. We were trying to look and, you know, at that time of when the baby died is about the time when, when the genitals develop. And so I couldn't tell either way. Like I, it just, I could have gone either way because it wasn't fully developed yet. And so the nurse was looking at it. She's like, oh, I, I think it's a boy. That looks like a boy to me. And I'm like, oh okay, I have a boy. <laughs> In my brain, my baby was a girl. I already had the name picked out. This was supposed to be a girl because I knew what I was having next. And so we were like, okay, this is our boy. We had a boy. And so, so we went on and the nurses were amazing. And they went and took some pictures and they have, you know, they give you this box or like a remembrance box and have all the stuff that's donated from other people that have been through it. And um, they have little trinkets that they give you and they give you books and just all sorts of stuff to make you comfortable and help you grieve. And, um, I had all my family come in, all my sisters came in, my sister-in-law, um, I had one sister-in-law that has a really nice camera that came in and took all these pictures, which are, you know, like a treasure that I have. Um, I had some friends and stuff come in and I just had a really good experience in there just holding the baby. I let other people hold him because <laughs> now it's a boy. And so they all held my baby and, you know, and it was just really cool to see. And, um, I had one of my sisters bring my kids in and I wasn't sure if I was going to do that. They didn't want to traumatize them, but at the same time, they need to see life, how life is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to experience that because they need to see what sadness is and what death is. And, you know, I didn't want to like shove it down their throats or anything, but this is something that their dad and I are going through together. Why not let them be involved with it? You know? And so they were scared because we had talked about it before during that week after I found out, you know, we talked about what's going on and, you know, the baby died and it's going back to heaven. And um, do you want to see it? And I know my oldest son was scared, but, um, and so he kind of sat out on the side for a little bit and they, they gave us a little basket and I, I'd actually made, I'm a seamstress. And so I made a blanket for the baby beforehand and had the baby in the basket he said whenever you're ready you know whenever you're ready you come over and you can look and um you can see in the pictures he's kind of sitting on the side and then he slowly comes over and he looks at it and then he holds the basket and you know this gets a little bit more and more comfortable around it even though it's scary and the, you know our baby didn't look like a full baby because I think with the um, cord being around her neck so tight that it kind of cut off a lot of the circulation and the growth in other parts of the body. And so, um, but she still looked like a little baby, still had hands and legs and you can see feet and fingers and she had eyes and a nose and mouth. It just wasn't fully formed up yet. And so anyway, and I have some pictures of all of us together sitting on my bed with a baby and family pictures that, you know, it just really cherished me. And so, Anyway, so we sat with our baby for about eight hours in the hospital, and then um, we just felt like we just got to go, you know, we've been with our baby long enough, and, but you, how do you leave? How do you leave your baby? Mm -hmm. You know, granted, yes, it's not living anymore, but how do you leave? You know, and that, that right there was the hardest thing for me. So the nurse came in, we told the nurse, yeah, we're ready to go, and so they're getting all the discharge stuff ready, and she came in, and we knew it was time, and I'm falling and I look over and my husband's crying and I'm like, what? I've never seen you cry. And so seeing him be like that and knowing that he delivered the baby, he got to bond with the baby. And it was just, for me, it was really touching because he doesn't show emotion like that. And to see him crying and seem truly affected was, you know, really helped both of us bring us together. And so that right there was the hardest thing I've ever had to do is give that baby to the nurse and watch her 
take my baby away and not truly knowing what's going to happen. I mean, they told me, and we had the option to either have a funeral and take the baby ourselves and, and bury her wherever. Or, um, so at the time I live in Utah right now, but at the time I lived in Arizona and we have some mountains called the superstition mountains and they apparently can cremate the baby and they have a special place in the superstition mountains where they lay the ashes of, you know, the cremated babies. So we could do that or we could have the baby buried in a Catholic hospital in, um, on the west side of Phoenix. I lived on the east side and it's on the west side of Phoenix. So we chose to have our baby buried at the Catholic hospital, the Catholic uh, cemetery. And so we chose that to have our baby buried in the Catholic cemetery. They have a little garden back in the corner for any, you know, miscarried babies. And um, so that's what we chose. That's what we felt was best for, for us and our family. And um, we um, have, they have like little uh, headstones with all the baby's names on them. And so we had our babies, we put Harlow on there um, a few months later, but you know, it's kind of nice knowing there's a place that has her name and there's a memory there, mm-hmm. even though my husband doesn't feel like it's anything special to him. But it's for me, it's it's comforting knowing that there's a place she's laid to rest there. We can go anytime we want to go visit. So um, anyway, so then after that was just dealing with it. You know, you go home empty handed. <laughs> there's no more baby. And you know, and that was really hard going home and having to get back to life and still had three kids to deal with and raise. And, but, um, my church family and my, my, my family and friends just all kind of gathered around and really helped us and made sure, you know, they got my house clean and brought meals for like two weeks. And you know, it was just really helpful. And, um, <clears throat> back at the hospital after I, del- I delivered, my doctor came in and just, you know, he was doing his typical, like, inspections of everything and um, basically gave me a DNC in as I was laying in the bed with his hand, kind of clean everything out. And so, um, so then later on, um, a few months later, you know, I bled for like six weeks, I usually bleed about six weeks, and then I usually stop for about six weeks, and then I'm back on my regular period again after I have a baby and so that was happening and then I noticed that I wasn't my bleeding wasn't stopping and I was like what is going on and so about I went about three months it was about 12 weeks I bled straight I finally went in and I was like what is going on this was happening before I got pregnant and now it's happening again he's like well let's let's kind of figure that out and so he went in and and he's like let's go in with a camera and see what's going on and if there's stuff in there we'll clean it out basically give you a DNC and then hopefully that'll solve the problem. So they did that and we went in. Um, when I woke up, he did, he, my mom was with me and he told her, you know, yes, there was stuff in there. Um, she was, I think it did take me a while to wake up because I was, hem, I did hemorrhage quite a bit uh, while they were in there because they did find some stuff. <laughs> and so when I went in afterwards, a couple of weeks later for a checkup, he told me that, you know, he should, showed me a picture of what he found when he was inside and he's like so and he covered up most of the picture and just left a little circle open he's like okay well typically if you have this little thing this is like a polyp this is no big deal then he showed me the whole picture and he's like all of this I don't know what this is he's like you had all this in there that I scraped out he's like we ran tests on it and it just shows a sign of chronic infection like I don't know what this is I'm not sure if this would cause your miscarriage I really can't say because I'm not sure. He's like, so we just hope it doesn't come back and doesn't affect you. And I'm like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so then I had a heal from that, but um, now jumping back again. So a couple weeks after I delivered, I got a call from the hospital and they do, it's like the grieving counselor from the hospital and they do, they want to check up on the patients and make sure everything's okay and make, make sure they're, you know, postpartum depression, that they're doing okay with that and everything. And we were talking and she, and I had mentioned, yeah, I knew this, you know, I was kind of telling her a little bit of my story. I'm like, yeah, I knew that my next baby was a girl. So when they told me it was a boy, it just totally confused me. And she's like, who told you your baby was a boy? 
And I was like, I don't know, some nurse came in. I didn't know who she was. She came in right after I delivered and looked at the baby and said, oh, this is a boy. She's like, they're not supposed to do that. She's like, they've been trained not to do that. You're supposed to find out what you're having through the pathology re report. I was like, oh, they never told me that. She's like, well, how about I give them a call and then I'll call you right back. I'm like, okay. And so I'm driving and she calls me back a few minutes later and she's like, are you sitting down? I'm like, I'm driving. She's like, well, just be careful. But I talked to the lab, the pathology lab, and went over all the stuff that they did with your baby and your baby was a girl. Aww. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew it from the beginning. She's like, they should never have told you that was a boy. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, whatever. I saw it. That was about two weeks. I went thinking my baby was a boy, but I just knew. <laughs> I knew the whole time. I'm like, this is a girl. But after that, I had no idea what I was going to be having. So <laughs> but I just thought that was so crazy. So then I was like super comfortable naming my baby Harlow and like, all that worked out. And, you know, we got the headstone and stuff. But um, yeah, so then I had, I had, after that, I had, like I said before, just all these different women coming to me, like, I've been just the same thing. And I had miscarriage. And um, I had one girl that came to me that lived in my neighborhood and just said, I, I went through this with twins, um, a few years ago. And she's like, I never told anyone. She's like, no one knows. It's like, I went home and I stayed in my house for months. So that just broke my heart for her. Yeah. Just know that she suffered in silence like that. And I just felt so bad. And I'm like, what if I didn't share, you know, like for mm -hmm. me, it helped me to share and to talk about it, you know, cause it just helps me therapeutically, but just to share my story and make me, you know, just remember my baby that I've lost. And it doesn't Harlow. feel like a secret, you know? Yeah, like just, yeah, I hate totally. that feeling of like, oh, I'm hiding the secret. Yeah, like, yeah, and it's such a, like, devastating thing, you know? And so, I don't I'm a big advocate for sharing and talking about it because you don't know who you can help by sharing. You know, like your podcast is so amazing because, even for me, you know, this happened in 2014. It's still, you know, I'll still break down listening to somebody who's like, oh my gosh, I totally went through that. Yes, totally. You know, and like knowing that all these other women have been through it, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, I also think that you're not part of a group, but you know, you have like another support system. You're not alone in it. So yeah, it's quite empowering to hear people oh, be totally. open and talking yeah. about something that has been kind of just like hidden for so long. Yeah, you know, yeah, for so many years. Totally. Yeah, and it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just yeah. something that happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and so I just, I don't know, I just felt so bad for her that she didn't say anything. And then, you know, I had other friends that came. I had a, my cousin's wife was, had just gone through the same thing. Her baby had a chromosomal um, disorder, and her baby died at like 20 something weeks. So, I mean, they did the funeral and everything. So she was farther along, but you know, she just kind of took me under her wing and was like, showed me pictures and said, this is kind of what I went uh, through. And she awesome. came over after, and it was really cool because I shared my box, my memory box with her and showed her all the pictures. And, you know, we just kind of bonded over that, was, which mm -hmm. was really what I needed at the time. And um, I remember afterwards too, just little things that would trigger and just like any kind of grief, you know, you get triggered by things. And I was at home, my older two were at school, my youngest was with me at the house, and some commercial came on. I remember actually, because, you know, it took me two years to get pregnant, and then I went ahead and got pregnant again after that. I, you know, it just it was starting to take a while, and I felt like I was having, like, a secondary infertility, kind of, even mm -hmm. though I had my three kids. You know, it just, it just, it was getting hard for me to get pregnant. I remember being really discouraged at the time, at the time and seeing this one Huggies, or Huggies or Pampers, I think it's Pampers commercial come on of this, they hand this mom this newborn baby and every time that commercial came on it just made me so mad <laughs> and I hated it and I'm like, oh, I'm have to see this mom get her baby, you know. <laughs> I mean, yes, I have my three already, but oh, it just was so frustrating, you know. Uh, everyone and, can relate listening to <laughs> so this. Sure. Like that one commercial. Because everyone's pregnant show. all of a sudden after you lose your baby. Yeah, for uh -huh. sure. And so, <laughs> just always seeing that, that commercial like, oh, I just jealous of that mom right now. <laughs> so, so day, a few weeks after I'd lost my baby, and um, I just remember I was sitting there crying, and my son's playing toys, whatever, and I'm bawling my eyes out, and then my doorbell rings, and I'm like, oh, who's at my door? Are you kidding me? And so I walk over, and I look in the people, and it's my sister, 
and I opened the door and I just lost it. I'm like, oh, she's like, oh, are you having a hard time? Oh my gosh. She's like, I brought you a soda and a treat. And I was just thinking about you and I'm like, ah, thank you. You know, like at a time where I want to shut my door and push people away, she came and was like, there for me. And I just appreciated that so much. You must just really put off these like vibes into the universe <laughs> when you need somebody to show up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I think, I don't know if I do. I think God's like, okay, this yeah. doesn't help. Yeah. Get over there. Stat. <laughs> totally. <it. laughs> yeah, Amazing. That, well, and that's just, that's her. That's all my sisters are like that. They're yeah. Great. So that's why I'm in Utah now and I have no family here and they all live by each other and I'm <laughs> all alone in Utah like oh where are my sisters like, having total FOMO <laughs> I know right totally oh. so <laughs> so anyway so that was my first miscarriage long story um so then I went on to get pregnant again and I want to say and so right when I was having when I was due with Harlow I was due in April and it would have been 2015. So I had, I had Harlow in November, 2014. I was due in April. I was actually doing my grandma's birthday in 2015, which I, I would have been 35. And so I remember one of the nurses is like, Oh, you're due right before you're 35. So you won't be considered, you know, a geriatric <laughs> in the maternity world. And so, so yeah, then it took another year and a half to get pregnant again. And I was like, okay, I can do this. This is good. My doctor told me that chances of this happening in are very rare, you know, so I should be good. And, you know, I was still a little anxious about it. And um, I remember going to my first appointment and I, um, I wasn't sure what to do because I hadn't told anyone yet. I didn't want to go start announcing to the world because um, I had already done that before. And so um, I called my mom. I called her mom. I was having an appointment that day and I called her and I'm like, mom and she's like what and I'm bawling my eyes out and she's I'm like I'm pregnant can you go to my doctor's appointment with me because my husband was at work and couldn't leave and so she was like of course you know anything medical she was there um so she came with me and everything was good at my first appointment there's heartbeat and stuff and then my next appointment I was 13 weeks and um I had her come with me again because my husband was working and we went in and we're in a different room this time. I went in and laying down and they're doing the Doppler and they're not finding anything. Doctor's in there and he brings a little ghetto machine in again and no heartbeat again. And I was just like, are you kidding me again? Like what, what is going on? My doctor told me everything would be fine. And so I believed him. You know? And obviously he doesn't know, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but I was like, what, what is going on? I'm, I'm an old lady that just wants to have my last kid because I just feel like there's <laughs> one more kid and I already have three and I need to be grateful for them. And I was grateful for them. And I, you know, I am, but it was like, I just feel like I have this one last baby. What is going on? And so, yeah, once again, there was no heartbeat and, you know, I was 13 weeks and the baby was measuring, I think about 10 weeks at the time. And so he said, basically your options this time are to let the baby pass on its own or have a DNC. And so, you know, if I had the option to deliver again, I totally would have done that. It was, it was a great experience for me before. And so, um, but I didn't have that option because I wasn't far enough along. And so um, they scheduled me for the next day. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that fast? It seems so quick to just all of a sudden not be pregnant anymore, you know? And so I'm like, okay, well, just schedule me, you know? if this is what happens and sure a million other women have done this. So, um, so I was with my mom, which is good. I actually had someone with me that time. Um, she started rallying the troops, you know, calling my sisters and letting everyone know, like, you know, cause my sisters actually knew at the time cause I had called them. I had, I had let them all know that morning saying, I need someone to come with me. And they're like, call mom, have her come. And so my sisters knew. And so my mom let them know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just, I went home and cried and once again and just kind of just kind of felt all the feels again like I did before and so the next day I had my appointment and my mom went with me so my husband could work and um, she's just one of those that'll just stick right by you with, when you go to the hospital and um, I remember driving there and the closer we're getting the, the more dread I'm feeling and I just start bawling my eyes out and I just could not stop 
and we're driving in and <clears throat> we pull up to the hospital and she drops me off so she could go park and I'm walking in and falling and I go and I check in and I'm falling. <laughs> Poor nurses there were probably like, what is wrong with this girl? And I have to go and sit in, in the waiting room, just bawling my eyes out while all these other people are in there. And so my mom came in, we go register and, and they get me back and um, I'm sitting in just like this little curtain room. And, and again, I request them like, can I have another ultrasound? I just want to make sure. And, um, and I wanted the picture, you know, just for sentimental things. And so, so they did that and, and confirmed that, yes, there is no heartbeat still. And so um, they, you know, went in and, and had the DNC and um, remember my mom said that it took a while. I think it was this one actually the where I, I hemorrhaged a lot and it took them a while to kind of get the bleeding to stop. And so something weird was going on inside. And so they finally did get the bleeding to stop. And I just went home and just slept forever. And then um, just kind of had to move on with life, you know, because that's just what happens, you know, time doesn't stop and no one else stops when you have lose a baby, you know, you got to keep going. And when you have kids, you got to keep doing their life with them, you know, and, and so I find, I realized, <clears throat> it actually was like way later, I realized that I kind of got, I got really angry and um, I got a lot more private and not so much outgoing and like wanting to be around people. And it wasn't until way later that I realized that I was probably depressed, but I didn't do anything. I didn't talk to my doctor or anything because I didn't think in my brain that this is what's going on. And so. Um, I kind of dealt with that and I feel bad thinking back and, you know, my poor family, what they all had to go through seeing me so angry and, and sad and, and all that. But, <clears throat> you know, it was just, and I think at that point is when I would see those commercials and be like, oh, that girl. And, <laughs> you know, just kind of, just sad for myself, you know, and, and anyone else like, um, like friends of mine that would have babies, I was excited for them. It was great for them, you know, that they're building their family. And for me, it's just, I just felt sad for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and just, I knew I had this one more baby and I knew, I knew it. And for some, whatever reason, these two babies couldn't be with me. And so um, th- th- this time the doctor ran some tests and he said, you know, the amount of testing that we're doing, he's like, it's only going to, we're only testing for about 30 things. He said there could be literally millions of things. And so most likely we won't find out why this happened. And, and we didn't, you know, all the blood tests and everything that they tested came back normal. So I don't know why the second one didn't last, but I just have to be okay with that. And we did find out it was another girl. And so I, the two I lost were both girls. And so I have, my the kids that I'd had before I have one daughter and two sons and my poor daughter just wanted a sister so bad and I was like I'm so sorry I tried these two I tried really hard and you know it's for whatever reason you know you have two sisters in heaven and so um I let them name that baby and because there you know there's no record anywhere we didn't bury the baby so just for us and our family we named up they wanted to name her Jessica and so we have Harlow and Jessica and so, yeah, just life moved on and I was getting older and more old in the maternity world. And, you know, and I still felt like I had this one baby, but I was so scared to try again. And we did. And I think it took about six months to get pregnant this, this last time. And this time I was, I had talked to some other women who'd gone through it. You know, I'd met quite a few people and a lot of them I kept hearing said that they had taken baby aspirin, which I had never done before. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try that this time. And I'd ask my doctor and he's like, you can if you want. I'm like, I'm going to, thank you. And I did, I, I did baby aspirin. And then with him medically, he said, let's put you on progesterone just in case. Like, I don't have any idea. I remember one of your episodes, like women knew like what numbers were what, like double the numbers. I, I didn't know anything about that. And so he said, let's just put you on progesterone. Your numbers seem fine as far as I know, but let's just see if it helps keep you pregnant. I'm like, okay. And that stuff was awful, for me at least. Um, I had to take it under my tongue, and I remember it would just make me so dizzy. 
And so mm-hmm. luckily I would take it at night. So I'd sleep it off, but that that's what I, I did too. I had yeah. to. Yeah. Did it, did it affect you like that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was just me or what, but I was just like, oh, this stuff is awful. Mm-hmm. Grateful for it, but oh man, it's like <laughs> my brain just hurts right now. So yeah, so I did progesterone um, and that pregnancy stuck. You know, I was 37, I want to say 36, I think when I got pregnant. Yeah. So then, but this time around we waited a long time. I mean, I was a nervous wreck with every single appointment. And, and at this point, you know, being older and having the two miscarriages, they wanted to keep a close eye on me. And so I was in all the time doing ultrasounds and blood work and everything. And, um, yeah, it just, every single appointment, I remember I would go in and I'd lay down on the table and just nervous, nervous. And then they would do the Doppler, the ultrasound and there's a heartbeat. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank you. And just, I'd feel this relief and I would just start falling. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. I don't have to do that again. Okay. And then I'm good until the, we leave the doctor's office and then everything starts again. And it's like, okay, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm nervous again. And you know, especially when I haven't, wasn't feeling my baby kick yet. It was just like, okay, can't wait. And I even bought a, a home Doppler. I was like, things. I was going to ask you. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> I was like, and my doctor's like, don't do it. I'm like, oh, I can't, but I have to hear the baby. And I could never, ever get it to work right. Like, I can't, so I sold it. I'm like, I can't do this because it's freaking me out. I would try, I think it was like, just like a month I had it. And I kept trying and trying and I could never do it. And like, I can't, I can't have it in my house. Get it out of here. <laughs> but yeah, but that pregnancy was scary. Um, I was working out a lot at the time and I started bleeding and I was like, oh my gosh. And I never bled with any, any of my pregnancies. Even when I had the two miscarriages, I never bled. I didn't have any signs of like my body trying to flush the baby out or anything. And so that freaked me out. And so I went to the doctor and once again, they found a heartbeat, you know, I lose it. And they, so they went in and did uh, like a more detailed ultrasound. And he said I had placenta previa. And it was basically like my placenta was kind of over my cervix. And he's like, you have to be so careful. He's like, I'm not going to put you on bed rest because I know you have your kids and stuff, but you have to be so careful. No heavy lifting. You know, you can't do anything strenuous because that placenta can, you know, you're right by your cervix. So you need to be super careful. And so, of course, here I am. Finally pregnant again, just wanting to hold this baby. You know, it's been trying for six years, basically, with the two miscarriages. And I'm like, I just want to finish this one pregnancy, and then I'll be done. And so, you know, it just made me just a wreck that whole time. And so um, he said that the placenta previous should, like, uh, take care of itself after a few weeks. And so it did. After a couple months, it it cleared out once we had, like, the 20-week ultrasound. And um yeah, so then we we go in for the twenty week ultrasound, which is to have the anatomy scan and find out the gender. And I, ha- I actually this time took all my kids with me and my husband, and we all went together. Um, and they went in, and everything was fine. There was a heartbeat, everything's good. And then they did a scan, and they said, "Oh, you're having a boy." And my daughter started bawling. <laughs> she just <laughs> lost it. <laughs> She's like I wanted a sister, and I'm like, I'm so sorry there's nothing I can do. <laughs> and she cried for about an hour after that until we went and got her a treat. <laughs> she was happy after that, but oh, she was so sad. I felt so bad for her, but she, and so I had my baby in October of 2017. Um, and she and him are like the best of friends. So my oldest is 13 and then my baby, he's one right now. He'll be two in October. And it's, you know, I wasn't planning on having such a big gap in kids. You know, my, my oldest is 13, my daughter is 11, and I have another son that he'll be eight on Tuesday. And I wasn't planning on having six years in between those two, but, you know, God has his own plan. And so that's just kind of how it worked out. But it's so fun, though, to see my older kids with the baby. Oh, I bet. Because, um, you know, life was chaos when I had two at home, and then I had my third. My oldest was barely in kindergarten when I had him. And it was just crazy. Life was crazy. It was chaos. And I just felt like I was just, you know, mom brain all the time. And, you know, they, 
they helped as much as they could, but how much can a five-year-old help mm-hmm. really? But now, you know, I can leave my baby home and my kids can babysit and it's amazing. Yeah, I was like, you have built-in babysitters. <laughs> oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, I do love that. <laughs> <laughs> but just seeing them with them is just, you know, it just makes my mama heart happy, you know, yeah. just seeing them kind of, you know, my daughter's like a second mom. Sometimes she gets after me for stuff with him. And I'm like, hello, who's the mom here? <laughs> you know, but it is, it's really cool to see. And, you know, it makes me extra grateful. Every time I look at him, literally, I get, I'm just grateful. And I see yeah. him and I'm like, ah, oh, you're here. Finally, I got my rainbow baby and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause I remember when I was getting the ultimate, not the ultimate, um, the epidural when I was having him. Because it was scary. You know, I'm like, I can't, I can't be settled until I have him here. And then even after that, I'm like, Sis, oh gosh, what if he can go in there and he's, you know, not alive? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That freaks me out. But I can yeah, only imagine just, the, the oh. relief of being done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and you had just been through it. So I'm sure you know what it's like. Like, like I so want long. a twin so bad because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I only just, want two kids. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to do this. I can't do it anymore. Just hopefully be twins. But be twins. Wasn't. Be done with it. For real. I know. You're like, dang it. <laughs> Don't make me go through this again. I know. But really, I, you know, it's, it's hard to be settled until you get that baby there. And even after it, you still have. Yeah, but I do remember when I I was in labor, I got the epidural. I don't do natural birth, sorry, but um, I was getting the epidural, (laughs) (laughs) and I bent over, and my husband's holding my hands, and I bent over, and they're poking, and they poke, and they poke, and I'm like, in my brain, I can never do this again. I can't. (laughs) This is too hard. I'm, you know, 37. Like, I need to move on with life. And so that right there for me was the turning point. Like. Hey, you've got your baby. You're good. We're done. <laughs> so yeah, your story yeah, brings a, a lot. <laughs> your story brings a lot of hope, though, and that's so, so amazing. It does. It does. Yeah. It's so amazing, and I so appreciate you sharing. If you had one piece of advice for everybody listening, what would it be? Well, so some things I learned. Well, first, the biggest thing, which was a slap in my face, was life doesn't go according to plan. You can plan all day long and have your little calendar of things of how you think life's going to go, and it's not going to go that way. And I learned that the hard way. That was one thing I really learned with my first, was God has the plan, and he's going to make it work how he needs to. I mean, you can, you need to be adaptable, basically. Um, another thing was to find your tribe, you know, with, with family. Like, for me, I'm blessed to have a big family that's very supportive, um, friends, people at church, even you know, a group like what you have going on with the life after miscarriage thing, the lamb fam, find, find someone that you can connect with, you know, that can be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me also that helped that we talked about with talking about it and sharing the story, you know, it, for me, it's very therapeutic to do that and helps me remember my angel babies, you know, and then also to find an outlet that's therapeutic for you. Um, one thing I do is I mentioned earlier, I'm a seamstress. And so I like to go in and, and make things and create things. And I also do hand lettering and that's one thing I can sit there and it just, it's something that my hands can move and just create something and just, you know, let me, I can just kind of write out my thoughts basically. Yeah. And I like to make it pretty. So (laughs) those kind of things, that's all that's really helped me with in my journey and I love that. I think that's great advice. If somebody wants to reach out, where could they do so? Um, So I have, I'm on Instagram. Um, My personal one, my personal Instagram is pit with bell, which is super random. And that goes back to when I was single, but it's P I T W I T H B E L L pit with bell. Um, It's private, but shoot me a message or request me. That's totally fine. Um, I do have some stuff on there with about, you know, my story and what I've been through. And it's not all about that. It's just my life, but mm-hmm. there's stuff in there dabbled throughout. Um, or you can find my sewing page, my sewing Instagram. It's um, so do it. S E W D E W I T. Oh and my gosh. That I is, love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to put my last yeah, name. Yeah. I love so it. Do it. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's public and you can go on there and that's just all my creativity stuff, but you can also reach me on that too. So yeah. Awesome. 
Thank you so much, Katie, for jumping on oh, and sharing thanks. your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been you a lot it. of fun to share and very therapeutic. So Yes, good. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Just leave.